0: Like a moment from a horror
1: movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys! Welcome to the Movie Factory! Join the club, we've got jackets. And you stole
0: it from a movie. We want you in our
1: club, kid. Hey, everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. This is the first episode of not just a new year, but a new decade. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Stark. Hello, hello. And it is now officially, unofficially when we're recording, but officially when you're hearing this, 2020, uh, which means, Corey, I graduated from high school 20 years ago, and I feel old. Damn. Word. Um, the revelation earlier this year that my uh, my graduating seniors were not born yet when I graduated high school was a painful revelation, and that oh. I am now double, uh, actually almost, uh, a double plus a year their age because they are mostly 18 and i will be turning 38 in august of 2020 but that's not why you're here listeners you don't want to hear us grope about getting older um you're here because of our enthusiasm for movies and with a new year means new months and new themes for 2020 and our first theme of 2020 is simply titled 2020 janley kubrick as in it is january and we're doing the films that we've never seen of Stanley Kubrick, Um, starting off with the movie for tonight's episode, The Killing, from 1956, Uh, a movie I did not know existed until Corey put it on the list, Um, and it's a noir film, which I am a huge fan of the genre, and Corey has so far on this podcast not been, so I'm very curious to hear how she felt about the movie she picked. But before we get into our movie of the night, um, we like to talk about what's been going on in our lives and then see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded so Corey, how you doing you know
0: fine i uh (laughs) so (laughs) we get extra i work in a big department so it's like a big thing before the holidays that we put in like we make a list of the you know we number Our highest priority to our lowest priority of days off that we want for the holidays extra days off because we were to get like thanksgiving and christmas and new year's day off so uh to work with bill's schedule um i requested tomorrow off and i got it so you know i worked a monday the last monday of 2019 my friends and now i have another weekend so (laughs) i'm pretty good and i'm really excited about my plans tomorrow so
1: what are your plans for new year's eve
0: um, so nothing exciting because I'm me, but uh, this will kind of be about what I'm watching too. But I'm going to go see Little Women for the third time. And then Bill and I are just going to probably watch movies and be lazy and have like a little cheese and snack plate. Ooh. Because that's what we do.
1: I, I am going to allow myself a little bit of freedom tomorrow night. Um, I I ordered, We do a lot of online grocery shopping because I hate going into yes. grocery stores because people irritate me um especially they just seem to lose like any sense of of courtesy when they're grocery yes shopping. um and, you know reaching over your cart or like just standing not moving taping, bears like, the whole aisle yes exactly um so I've, I've resorted to uh having someone else do the shopping and i just pick it up which i always feel a little you know guilty because i'm more than capable of doing my own shopping but the other thing i like about it is i i can't over shop like I do sometimes when I'm in a store. Yeah,
0: it's so true. Or, yeah, that's also why I like to send Bill grocery shopping because
1: yeah, I, like, I totally see it. I at least see the money adding up and I'm like, oh, I don't really need that. You know, I want to keep my budget at this and I can see it as I'm doing it. Where sometimes I've had some surprise ghost, uh, ghost, yeah, ghost shopping, grocery shopping bills where like I'll get up there and like I'm like, oh boy, I way over. I have five shopping. things. What, um, what do we have here? Yeah. And so, uh, I did that tonight and I decided, um, we're not sure if we're gonna have company. We, we, we've invited a few people. No one's you know wanting to like lock down any plans because we don't drink, and a lot of people like to drink on New Year's. So um, that's we don't have alcohol here anymore. So like that's usually a thing. And it's not like I'm not against it, but we don't buy it. And we don't do it. And Kathy is very very against. And I think everyone should be against drunk driving. Um, and so not everyone not just because someone drinks doesn't mean they're drunk obviously but that's where like kathy doesn't see that she's if you've had a drink you need to stay put kind of thing and i agree with her because there's been a lot of tragic accidents in the past because of that kind of thing so um but nonetheless i bought a bunch of uh like frozen appetizer type things you know like some cheese sticks some breaded mushrooms uh chicken nuggets and uh, popcorn shrimp um, and we got an air fryer for Christmas, so... I'll be right over. Yeah, I'm going to be air frying like a <laughs> madman tomorrow night. I'm very excited. We've used it several times already, and I love it. Uh, I'm very I happy. I don't even understand i don't eat because it. It, it's amazing how much like crispier the stuff gets and sometimes too crispy like it is it's a science you got to figure out how long to cook what and whatnot but um and mm-hmm. apparently we got a six quart which is way more than what we needed i didn't realize that I, I thought like a two quart doesn't sound like it'll be enough i think a two quart would have been sufficient for the amount of fries that we usually make with food um but tomorrow night i'm going to make use of that six quarts because i'm gonna be frying up everything um and but we're hoping uh you know, some of Taylor's friends might come hang out and uh, eat some of the food and whatnot. But um, so that's that's our big New Year's plans. Um, I am a night owl by nature, and uh, I found a meme today that finally defined Kathy. She is just uh, an exhausted pigeon. She's yes! tired all the time, um, <laughs> so she probably won't make it till midnight. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll be up just hanging out, uh, probably watch a movie or two. Um, I, my theater right now. The only two movies I haven't seen playing at the theater are uh, Frozen Two and Spies in disguise oh. The two kids movies, and it's not like a protest. I, I actually want to see both of them to a degree. Uh, Frozen Two a little more than Spies in the I've heard Frozen Two is excellent. Um, but I don't like going to animated movies by myself normally because I don't want to be the creepy guy. Especially as I'm getting older and like, you know, I'm bald and I'm getting. I muscular, feel like so it's like you know, it's intimidating. Everybody knows you. That is not untrue, especially the theater patron. Like, the people that work at my theater almost all know me and know that I do this, and um, they see me a lot. Again, I, I, you know, I'm there at All the movies. Yeah. Um, And then a lot of people in the community know me because I've taught either their children or I've taught them. Or, um, in fact, one of the managers at the theater is one of my former students, uh, pre-film, but nonetheless one of my former students. Um, And shout-out to her. uh, I I don't want to get too personal, but um, she just suffered a severe loss in her family and i didn't know um which until i like i ran into her at the theater and it was uh very very sad but thoughts are with her um and her family uh but um so i don't you know i'm I'm not even sure what's coming out this week to our theater because we didn't get a few things like we didn't get just mercy which uh the new michael b jordan i've heard good things i want to see that. Um. Uh bombshells the Charlize Theron uh, Nicole Kidman and Margot Roby Fox News vehicle where it's like the uh, the sexual harassment incidents at Fox News is supposed to be on display I've heard mixed things about but I feel like the performances will at least be good and that's not playing at our theater but it's playing at uh, another theater down the road that would cost me money but I'm kind of tempted to go see it um but yeah that's New Year's Eve is going to be pretty um not exceptional and for the first time ever uh as long as i've been a teacher now we have to go back on friday so we don't get a full two weeks off uh which has never happened really but for some reason with the pay schedule we had to work this week for us to get a paycheck on the 15th or something like that um so our boss did give us an extra day off later in the year though to like kind of compensate for us losing a day even though it's not really her fault that we're losing the day so I, i appreciate the sentiment no way am i hoping she takes it back or anything i was just it's like it's one of those things where you're like, well, technically it's not your fault, so you don't have to like give us anything, but I also, that's why appreciate I, it in the she's last. such a great boss because she does think, one, even though she hasn't, I don't know when the last time she was actually in a classroom as a teacher, she was at one point, obviously, not obviously, most principals have been though, but she's definitely a principal who's never forgotten that and knows like to you know give us that time and, and appreciate all the work we put in outside of school. It's definitely there's a lot of gratitude and so that helps, but it still kind of stinks because like I'm thinking like hey it's it's Tuesday on my my Christmas break that means I got until Monday and I'm like oh no wait I gotta go back on Friday no students on Friday though so it still should be like mostly just prepping and stuff like that but um, I've already been working I'm I get real excited about planning for my my classes because it's always related to movies like. My visual tech classes, we're starting cinematography. We did editing in quarter the first semester, and we're going to hopefully get cinematography out in one quarter. And then I'm either going to focus on sound and um, lighting or focus on story and acting uh, for the last quarter. But we're starting off with Me and Earl and the Dying Girl for cinematography because I think it's one of the more innovative uses of camera work in a teen uh, like coming of age story. And in the past, my students have always really loved that movie, so I'm hoping for that same kind of connection where they'll find, "Hey, look, because we can a like a movie. drama," you know? Because um, there's so often they hear the word drama, they think they don't want, yeah, they want action or whatever. But there's enough humor and stuff, um, and it's been hard for me because I've I've enjoyed that movie since I first saw it, um, and I've as I've gotten more and more into the critical community, I have found a lot of critics really bash this movie. What? Yeah, and um, I didn't fully understand why until recently. I, I found this really great article while prepping uh, some stuff for my students, um, where uh, a reporter who saw it at Sundance originally. Um, I should. I don't have the name with me. I do have it all ready for like my students and stuff, but um, and they'll have to read it afterwards because it does. He he or she actually don't remember. Uh, gets into spoilers, but. Um, the, apparently the major criticism and it, now that it was pointed out it did kind of like oh yeah okay um, is that it is very badly a white male like protagonist who finds a female I wouldn't quite call her Manic Pixie Dream Girl but she definitely feels that kind of like she shows up and completely disrupts his life and points him in the direction he needs to go and then a magical black figure uh, usually referred to as something else as Spike Lee's named trope um, that uh, of a black character in a movie, essentially having either actual magical powers or something that resembles a magical or like just an, a natural gift or chemistry. They usually offer like sage like advice to the white protagonist to guide them to their journey, and that's the only reason why they exist. In other words, the two other minority characters have no agency, and they only exist to serve the white male uh, protagonist. And I well it's a it's a trope issue it's beyond this movie it's just yet again another example however the article that i read makes some really strong counterpoints as to why that movie in fact shatters those tropes it introduces them as tropes but then shatters them in a really big way and i think the article is really well written and uh makes a very strong argument which made me feel a lot better um because i really like the movie and i don't like um i i am a white male so i am aware of my often blindness to that issue because i'm just like hey look i relate to this character and forget that oh yeah but a lot of people don't um and so i i am aware of it and i try to to like catch it when when it shows up and for me not catching it with that one bugged me for a moment um however i think the the article makes some really strong arguments as to why this movie is great for two reasons for me especially with a first year film class one is that it's about Two guys who love weird films and make their own versions of movies, um, and thus emphasizing the importance of film, which is something the the, the director um, wanted to express because he was like, you know, trained through Martin Scorsese. Like he's he was a uh, P, uh, sorry, ADA assistant director on a bunch of projects with a bunch of big game directors before he got his first gig, and so he's like paying tribute to all the directors who influenced him in *Me and Earl the Dying Girl*. Um, and so I like that because it introduces my students to a bunch of, you know, criterion collection level films um, that they may have never heard of. And it makes them like, hey, look, you can be into these and still be kind of relatable and normal or weird and awkward, however you want to look at. It. But sorry, it sounded like you wanted to jump in like seven times and I just bulldozed over you. But
0: <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, I just I'm. Like, on the surface, I could maybe see that being true, but I think one of the most, I guess, biggest moments in the movie, I think, completely shatters Mm. even the manic pixie dream girl. I don't think that she's... I don't know. Because I can't talk about it without, like, spoiling the movie, and that's not what we're
1: here to do, but... not. Not this one, at least.
0: Yeah, I feel like you probably know what moment I'm talking about. It makes us cry, but mm. I don't know. And also, I don't study film like you do. I'm True. far more casual than... So I probably don't know what I'm talking about,
1: and we can go on now. Well, I, I, I want to point out, though, that um, all film, no matter who's uh, interpreting it, is still going to come down to our own interpretation. And, and I appreciate um, one of the reasons why... I, I appreciate having you as my, my partner on this is because we come at it from different angles and different approaches. Um, and while we don't always agree, uh, in fact, I had um, a podcast that I've listened to for years that uh, I will say give credit to uh, maybe inspired me in some ways to start this podcast is the Slash Filmcast. And um, they were discussing marriage story, which I will be discussing momentarily. Um, and it was like the, the most heated I've ever heard them get on a podcast. Yes. So it was like the movie. Yeah, well so they everyone loved it. <laughs> but two of them oh there's three guys that run the show usually uh Dave, um Devendra, and Jeff. And Jeff and Devindra felt that um uh Scarlett Johansson's character Nicole was more empathetic than Adam Driver and Dave thought she was more monstrous, which was the word he used. And then tried to retract, but they would not let him retract it. And it it felt unfair, because he didn't mean she was a monster. He said it was monstrous. Meaning, like, I took what he was saying. It was just like, of the two, she seemed more malicious, right? Yeah. And, oh, so you're you're siding with Dave. I'm not at all, but I can see what you're saying. Got it, got it. Well, and then they were like, I've never heard them, like, not fully yelling. Jeff was getting a little heated, but Dave just, like, kind of tried to shut the conversation down. And... Um, it was it was awkward and like in the, the the funniest part they usually do one movie a week for like the big review and this particular episode they decided to do two because they originally said uncut gems and then realized that uncut gems was when they were doing the podcast was only going to be out in like select cities so oh. most of the listeners wouldn't have seen it yet so they did marriage story also but they started with marriage story so then they had to go and do uncut gems after the like kind of uncomfortable moment they're professionals and they're they're friends so they were able to like smooth it over and, and power through but um it just like it was funny because um you know I, as much as we have disagreed several times on movies um I felt like Jeff was doing what I often do to you when you don't like something I really like which is try to convince you you're wrong you bumped it up <laughs> <laughs> I like I go up a level in the rating I, system. Usually. Well, but not always. Like there's been some movies you know? where I just couldn't sway you. And and I I shouldn't be able to necessarily because we're able to both like what we like. And that's you've but, mentioned on the podcast before, sorry. Go ahead. Oh,
0: but we do look at the things totally differently and mm-hmm. sometimes I don't see technical aspects of sure. the movie or things like that and I I love actors and actresses and I I, there are directors that I truly, really appreciate, but yes. at, at the top of everything, it's a story to me. So I don't see a lot of, I guess, you know,
1: other really. stuff. And that's the, the beauty of talking about film. And I wish we could do this type of discourse in real life with more people about more important things. Um, I think film is very important. Let me first put that out there, but I do wish like we could sit and talk about politics and not turn into a shouting match Or not blocking every single person who posts something that we don't agree with. Um, Sometimes it deserves to be blocked. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's too far. But, you know, just because, like, they put Trump 2020 doesn't mean they should be blocked. Maybe we should talk to them and try to show them why they're wrong. Or at least hear them out to maybe see where they're coming from. Because they may not be coming from the place that we assume they're coming from. Um, And again, I'm not getting into my political stance. But with what I just said, I'm just saying I know that is a common statement. Um, It's a big divider. And nonetheless, it is something that, you know, I wish we could have a more peaceful discourse because um, that's what we need to do and stop yelling at each other. We need to be a little more courteous, but we also need to move on because we're, we've talked quite a bit. Um, we need to see what we've been watching and I've seen quite a few movies. So I'll try to just power through mine, but I'll let you go first. I know one you've seen at least twice since we last recorded.
0: Yeah, um, so I. I hope that... I don't even know how to say what I want to say cuz I don't want to ruin a future top 5 episode mm. that I hope that we will be having but I love Little Women like I think that Greta Gerwig killed it and I Yeah, so I saw that twice. I saw it Thursday, and I messaged you, and my theater was packed to the gills. Like, I think that I saw one empty seat in my whole theater. I don't know why they put it in a small screening room. I think that they actually had it in two theaters, but they would have sold so many more seats. And then the second time that I went, it was in that same theater. Um, So I've seen Little Women twice. I'm going for a third time tomorrow, and I'm very excited. Um, I love it so much. And then I also watched A Marriage Story. I actually finished that tonight. Ah. This is going to surprise you. I went to see The Rise of Skywalker. Oh. Bill and I went to see that last night. Um, and then I watched our movie of the week. And we just, like, just just restarted um, The Office, the American version. Nice. I never finished it because I get really sad when books and shows end. So... I'm just starting at the beginning and I'm going to just power through and I'm going to finish it this time.
1: Well, I'll tell you the uh the end of that show is is one of my favorite ends. Um
0: better than like the last two episodes of Parks and Recreation though. No, Parks and
1: Rec is I think the best ending of a sitcom okay. um to date. I don't think there's a better ending. Mainly because of how they opted to do Parks and Rec where we get to <sighs> really jump ahead and, and see what um mm-hmm. I don't remember but I six, I said sitcom, so 6 feet oh, under. Oh, that's true, sorry. Um, i was being very because i i didn't want to overstate. i was just thinking really good uh hour-long shows. dramas some hour-long dramas end perfectly um sitcoms often peter out uh they they outstay their just welcome
0: like, bye guys and yeah
1: that's the thing like i think i i gave up on big bang theory like season seven it was like they go too why long. did it
0: keep going
1: I, they, like I, it I just they went to 11 or 12 it, it ended this going. year i think but um i think uh how i met your mother maybe stretched it one season too long and i don't know that the ending was truly satisfying um i did i don't hate the ending like some but like seinfeld is notoriously one of the worst ended uh, sitcoms of all time friends ends perfectly but it's still like it just it does just kind of feel like it ends it's just like okay we're done we're like parks and rec's like we're going to end but we're going to give you something to to think about and chew on and office does something similar but not not to that extent but um the office ends very very well so you definitely need to get through it um it's great uh, there are some rough patches to that last season, mind you. That not everybody likes um, some of the replacements of characters and things that happen because of you know contracts and whatnot. But I I, I do I like the later seasons just fine. Fair. All right. Um. So, Office, Little Women, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um. Are you up, Mary's down, story. middle on Rise of Skywalker? Um. I get all the movies mixed up. Like.
0: Oh when they came out or like titles why i was hesitant rise of skywalker um but i liked it much better than the last couple apparently last time the last one that we walked out of i know we don't agree on the star wars movies um apparently i told bill that okay i don't need to see the next one (laughs) and i get hate mail but i i saw one of the trailers for this one and i was just like damn so, I mean, I love Rey and Finn and Poe, and it was just, they sold it in that trailer, and I was happy I went to see it.
1: I love Last Jedi. I think anyone who doesn't is crazy, but... Um, Me. Yeah, I don't understand how anyone can watch that movie and not be blown away by it, but... Um, okay, well, I, I re-watched a bunch of movies, because uh, I was trying to cram in some Christmas stuff, because I missed a bunch of Christmas things. Um, in fact where is it hold on I must not have added it to my diary I went and saw on Christmas Eve I think I feel like it was Christmas Eve um my daughter and I went and saw uh It's a Wonderful Life on the big screen um second time I've got to see it on the uh, no third time I got to see it on the big screen um it is in my top five all-time favorite movies um honestly it might be pushing to just be my all-time favorite movie I I love It's a Wonderful Life so so much in fact Um, I've been advocating it is a Christmas movie, but I also think it's more than a Christmas film as Christmas is really only a small part of the actual overall story. Um, But I I feel like George Bailey is a slightly more agitated Mr. Rogers. Um, That was my take this time seeing it. um, (laughs) Yeah, because he does so much for everybody. Now, he is often trying not to but always does the right thing and he's super courteous and is always putting everyone else's happiness first um, in order to make sure that people are taken care of. And um, I love it and I was so excited because my daughter, um, I I feel like it was Christmas Eve, but it may have been the day before. I feel like, I I will double check, but um, my wife had to work (laughs) and my daughter wanted to hang out. And so I was just like, okay, well, um, let's see what's, you know, hanging out with me usually entails a movie. And she wasn't really interested in any of the, like, she didn't want to go see any of the stuff that was currently out that I hadn't seen. Um, and uh, I happened to look and it like playing 45 minutes away. It's a wonderful life. And she's like, oh, yes, let's go do that. And just a side note, um, as a result, we went uh, later that week, we went to Lake Le Mall, And we there's this new store at one of the Anchor stores. Like, it used to be at Dillard's or something. I don't remember if it was Dillard's oh, gosh. or Macy's. I think it was Macy's.
0: Sears? It okay, because I... Didn't... a lot of the Sears are closing but so are
1: Macy's but whatever it was um they have this new store that's called Resale It um which they buy stuff and then they resell it um so they have it's basically a flea market but it's more like it's like a flea market pawn shop like it's a little bit of both and they have tons of stuff I ended up in the movie section for like an hour and a half I bought 13 movies because all their dvds are a dollar oh yeah right and uh uh, so like Kathy like she was like I want to show you stuff and then we found the DVD she's like all right I'll see you later I'm like yay <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> she's like bye um,
1: yeah she knew I was lost it was she's she's like I feel like um a hu- in the old day movies like the husband holding the purse while the woman like dressed up but yeah. she she went and shot so while I'm browsing through all the movies they found these like Christmas villages and there it's a Wonderful Life Christmas villages. Like, they had uh, the house on Sycamore, which is the house they will then move into. It's the house they break the I window. I love that house. Um, they, they have all these little villages. And Taylor was, like, apparently... I I gave... I showed a picture on my Instagram Burke reviews um, of the house. And it's in really good shape, too. Um, And I gave my wife credit. And I felt bad, because later Kathy told me that, like, Taylor was, like, insisted that they get it for me. Like, they were, like... Because she's, she, she's been with me twice of the three times I've seen it on the big screen to see it. And she knows this movie unlike almost any gets me every single time i like cry at the end of it's a wonderful life every single time and um and she loves it too in fact when she saw it the first time she was probably i don't know 11 or 12 maybe 13 at the oldest uh but i think 12 so now you know she's going to be 16 in april i can't i know right and i can't um, she said this time the movie really like resonated with her even more and she already liked it a lot and now it's just like she she picked up on things a little more and she related to things more and she cried this time um so you know made me proud movie dad uh and then so i've talked way too much about it, a movie that we're not reviewing i apologize but i love that movie so much uh if you haven't seen it watch it but um and then i'll power through so i, I rewatched how the grinch stole christmas the 2000 version with jim carrey uh of course i watched a, a christmas story probably like four times because it's on 24 hours yes. and i just had it on um i watched national lampoon's christmas vacation because i do love that movie um then i I went uh christmas night very late i went and saw uncut gems um the new safety brothers film with adam sandler Uh, not at the local theater yes at my local theater they were open late yeah yeah uh like uh, during vacations they're always open late like they're i mean late like 10 o'clock um but Still, they usually close at like seven, right? Yeah. Or that's like their last screening. So I won't review it. It was uh usually yes, uh when it's not a vacation time. But um, uncut gems. Uh, at one point I tried to rip out my hair. I've been bald for fifteen years, and uh, there's no hair there. But I literally my hands went to my head and pulled, nothing. Uh, Because I was so stressed out. The movie is um, anxiety-inducing, intentionally, but uh, I I don't want to sit through it again myself. It is very, very good, though, don't get me wrong. Um, Little Women, I saw the next day and was so enamored with, um, and I've loved seeing all of my, like, former students have been going out to see it with, with their, like, some of my coworkers and their kids, and I've got to see just, like, people are loving this movie. And then there's a few who hated it. A mutual friend what? of ours who looks like me. Um, you know, he was your boss at FYE at one point, just like I was your boss at FYE at one point. You know what I'm talking about? He hates he women. He did not like this one. He loves the 1994
0: one. Um, I'm talking about blocking i'm kidding i'm totally well, kidding had, i love him
1: we had a little conversation on facebook because i was really like he posted where uh, him and his wife were hopeful i commented it's great you're gonna love it he coming back i hated it and i'm like what um i don't think he said hated i think that might be too strong but he yeah he, he did not enjoy it um and he made some you know a, a fair case um and he and i we we see a lot of movies together on accident like we'll just but hey there you are um and because it, you're he's, both
0: always there i'm we, kidding we, we
1: both no we both see a <laughs> lot of movies um yeah I see a, a little more than he does, and uh, especially lately. I, I haven't seen him... I think the last movie I saw him in... Oh, I'm going to forget. Oh, what was it? It was in... I, I, I know we saw Hellboy together and um had varying views, but I feel like there was another one where he surprised me. I didn't know he was there right away. And he, like, snuck, he always sneaks up on me and grabs my shoulders and scares the crap out of me. Yes, but, yes. Um, uh, which I don't know how he can sneak. He's such a large dude. And, like, in a very complimentary... He wasn't like, ever my fat. boss... Oh, By really? the way I'm sorry. No. I thought he was. Because he was uh, at, at FYI at yeah. that point.
0: Nope, he worked at a kiosk outside hmm. when I started
1: working there. Okay, okay. I apologize. I didn't realize no, that. No, that's fine. Right. Because um, he was the manager there. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I so, right after Little Women, and it worked out just perfect for my timing, I watched Little Women, and then I watched Richard Jewell, the new Clint Eastwood film about the Atlanta uh, Olympic bombing. You want to see that? Um, It's good. Uh, I don't think it's... I have some issues with some of the depictions of the, the reporter played by Olivia Wilde. Um, and uh, from what I've read, I, I, my feelings about it are accurate. Um, and I, I put in Front Street, my I am a journalist by nature, so I am often defensive of journalism. Um, but I do understand that not all journalists are good. Just like not all teachers are good people, not all police officers are good people. Just because we have a position where we have responsibilities that you would expect us to be good does not mm-hmm. inherently make us good i accept that however um based on like a lot of information it, it does feel like clint eastwood not getting why what he does with the reporter is so not okay um but i don't know it, it just rubbed me the wrong way but there's a lot of good performances i am such a sam rockwell fan too i i i really like him a lot in this movie but um i rewatched krampus Uh, Oh, I love that movie. I had the intent of watching a bunch of Christmas horror movies at the end of, like, Christmas. Like, I I watched it on the 27th. I was going to watch Krampus. Um, Better watch out Black Christmas and something else. And then I I just, I haven't had the time. Um, So I've only seen Krampus. But I watched our movie for tonight, The Killing. Uh, Then on Saturday, Kathy and I sat to watch Marriage Story. Unfortunately, I knew it was going to happen because she was really, really tired. She fell asleep about halfway through, and she was really mad when she woke up because she was really liking the movie. But she was wiped out i loved marriage story so freaking much um I, i'm such an adam driver fan at this point like he's one of my favorite actors between this and patterson oh I, patterson's so I'm good i'm just a huge fan and then uh yesterday it actually took me like multiple attempts to get through it all not because it was bad i kept having stuff interrupt me uh, including work but i watched uh there's a new john mulaney special on netflix but it's not a oh, yeah. comedy special it's called john mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. And it's it's like what if John Mulaney wrote Sesame Street with the same level of honesty that Mister Rogers did Mister Rogers Neighborhood? Um, that's kind of the gist of it. Like uh, he talks about issues that you wouldn't normally talk about with kids. Like the kids are there, um, so that's where it's got like more of like a Sesame Street uh, kind of vibe to it. Where like, but it's it's very very funny. There's a lot of singing and dancing. I love John Mulaney and. Um, god there's some things he does with like how he like re- reacts to things and there are some amazing cameos in this and i won't say the best one but it's like the it, it is the finale and it is masterfully amazing like it is so worth watching it's only it's it's like 87 minutes um it is technically a movie though so i will throw that out there um oh and i finished the mandalorian and it's really good so everyone should watch the mandalorian
0: but Cory because she's
1: exempt but you should totally watch it you might like <laughs> it more um honestly one baby yoda and two um, <laughs> baby yoda have you don- seen that <laughs> which one I've seen that meme
0: you can only save one and it's like <laughs> baby yoda and i can't even baby kermit <laughs> there's like four of them
1: oh and i have not seen that one that's great it's baby yoda's the answer though Oh um, <laughs> no yes it is <laughs> He has force powers, Corey. Why would you not He's five. Him?
0: He could be, like, 5 million years old because he doesn't need help.
1: I don't understand. Yeah, okay. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's what we've been watching, folks. We're going to get into our movie of the week, uh, The Killing, our first of 2020, Jan Lee Kubrick, um, the theme, our first theme for the year 2020, where Corey and I are going trying to fi- uh, finish off the Stanley Kubrick catalog. We won't quite get there uh, for me. Um <laughs> i just made that connection i didn't realize this so Corey picked a movie called the killing from 1956 uh directed by stanley kubrick and written by stanley kubrick and jen thompson along with the book that it's based off of uh by lionel white called clean break um the plot summary according to imdb.com is crook johnny clay assembles a five-man team to plan and execute a daring racetrack robbery so this is not only a noir film it's also a heist movie um and that's awesome because heist movies are a lot of fun uh it stars Sterling Hayden, who I believe is in, yeah, Dr. Love and How I Learned to um, Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, he's Br- Brigadier uh, Br- General, I am so bad with the uh, army terms, General Brigadier? Jack D. Ripper. Oh, um, He's Jack know. the Ripper, which I loved that name when I even noted it. Um, Colleen Gray plays Faye. She's barely in the movie. Vince Edwards, Val Cannon, J.C. Flippin', Marvin Unger, um, that's the character name, sorry ted de patrolman randy um marie Winsor, who is sherry patty and uh she is or Petey, um she is the femme fatale in this movie for sure elijah cook uh is george her, her husband um and an important character who is in rosemary's baby but he's in something else that i just can't place i haven't like scanned his filmography but like i know him as an actor so i've definitely seen him in something else um i mean he's in rosemary's baby which i have seen and i just don't remember him in it like i can't picture him in that movie but um why don't you start us off Corey? what uh what were your initial thoughts spoiler free is how we start off listeners um of the killing that you picked for our first film of 2020
0: um i'm not sure where this falls in his like
1: timeline
0: of movies
1: it's pretty early.
0: I feel like he hasn't made the, I guess, the voice that I'm familiar with,
1: oh, oh, you know? So this is his third feature film.
0: Okay. um, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know if I would really want to watch it again. I didn't... I don't know. I don't think that it's, like, the best movie ever, but I enjoyed it while I was watching it. And also, it was the perfect movie time. Um, (laughs) And I liked the ending a lot, actually. Like, the very ending.
1: Well, um, so... Let's go in reverse order. Um, So, his last movie is one that we're gonna... It's gonna be our last movie for the month, actually, is Eyes Wide Shut, uh, which he did in 1999. And his last movie could have been AI, artificial intelligence, which Spielberg directs, but uh, Kubrick was planning on directing and then died um, in 99. I think he died in 99. Uh, he then, before that though, it was 12 years before his uh, his last movie, before *I Was Wide Shut, which is Full Metal Jacket. Seven years uh, earlier, he did The Shining. Um, five years earlier, he did Barry Lyndon. So we see that gap starting to narrow. Um, 71, he did A Clockwork Orange, which we'll be watching next week. Uh, Th- four years three years before that he did 2001 a space odyssey uh four years before that dr strange love which we watched on this podcast i think two years ago mm-hmm. um then lolita f- two years before that which we watched on this podcast i think oh i don't years like that movie i like the movie it is really uncomfortable but i think especially james mason who i am a huge fan of in the oh, three he's films i've actor. seen him yeah he's so good in that um he did Spartacus two years before that. I've never seen, and I almost bought the other day. Did, I don't think I realized it was Kubrick when I was looking at it. And I was like, yeah, I should probably buy that. Yeah, not today. Now I regret it. Um, which movie? Spartacus. Oh, is that on Criterion, you said? Uh, I don't know if that one's on Criterion. If it's not, I would be very surprised, though. Um, But I think I saw it used at, at FYE. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Um, but uh, Passive Glory, which we will be figuring out how we're going to watch in a couple of days. Um, we we're watching that this this. Uh, month as well um which is 57 then the killing so you picked the two better back to back the killing and literally it's one year apart um he directed oh. the killing in 56 and then pastor glory 57 uh bef- now there's two feature films before the killing killer's kiss 1955 and fear and desire 1953 and the posters look pretty rough like they were very low budget looking um and then he did three shorts before that so we are this is his third film So that observation that he has yet to establish his voice might be accurate. Um, I don't feel like that's entirely accurate because I think his movies are so eclectic. Um, He does, he likes to he seems to dance around genre. You know, we get the sci-fi film. um, Clockwork Orange is uh, dystopian like sci-fi I think as well, but not in like space sci-fi. It's like dystopian um, future sci-fi if I'm not mistaken. I've never seen it, that's why we're watching it uh but my understanding of of what clockwork orange is that feels right um you have the satire comedy with uh dr strange love you have the horror film with the shining um eyes wide shut i don't i don't know where it falls in genre but i know it's weird and like sex cultish if i'm not mistaken um you have your war movie with uh um, full metal jacket so he's he's always kind of danced around in all these different genres you have your period piece with barry linden um lolita is the uh, teen drama it, you know uh i don't know how, how else to classify that um that feels right though spartacus is your epic Pass of glory is your war epic the other war epic um kill i haven't we haven't watched past of glory yet but i feel like that's going to be a more traditional war film where um full metal jacket have you ever seen oh yeah yeah, very different war movie, right? It starts uh, as an institution, if you've read the Save the Cat book, uh, the institutionalized um, archetype that uh, Blake Snyder points out is heavy in the beginning parts especially, um, and it's really more about the character and the impact of the war more so than a traditional combat film, which is what I'm expecting Passive Glory to be. So he's never, like, done a single style. Now, that that could be argued for a lot of auteur directors, but Kubrick clearly likes to... Um, stretch out you know
0: i mean i haven't seen full metal jacket in a while um i'm so bad with time probably
1: no no i I don't i've only watched it once myself like
0: a long time but i feel like even with like 2001 space odyssey because i've seen that one a couple times um i feel like there are things that even though all like his movies like very, like they're across multiple genres. There are still like these very, you know, these things that he does. Oh, for
1: sure. Like, no, no,
0: you're. So that's what right. I'm saying. So like I feel like this is before he has started developing those well, elements that he's gonna throw into a lot of. Why I brought up all and the I genres. And I have watched all of them.
1: No, and I we're that's probably why we're doing this too. Um. One of the reasons I bring up all the genres that he's exercised, though, is because um, what he does is he doesn't just make a genre film. He makes a Stanley Kubrick version of that genre. Um, look at The Shining. <clears throat> the Shining does it has almost no jump scares, right? Like it, it emphasizes atmosphere. And while that is a, oh, other yeah. films do as well, it that is clearly the direction he went with it. And he he makes it as a Kubrick esque film. You know, the camera work, the 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 score, everything. Um, and that's what i think he does here this is a noir film but it's also a heist movie now i have not done enough research into heist to know kind of where the genre originates but this feels very early for a heist film um and i'm sure there's a few i don't remember like there's the italian job shows up at some point but i think that's a, a little later with uh, michael kane um but this is definitely going to be a, an interesting take on the noir genre where it's both where you're getting uh. this hybridization and that's where i think kubrick is Uh, using his voice is he's he's doing what he does he has i like this genre i like this other genre i'm going to bring them together and show how they are compatible um and they really really are because a lot of times heist movies end up being a little more fun where the heist works out you know the character gets away especially like if you look at steven soderbergh um who i am uh, becoming a bigger fan of than i ever would have expected but like oceans 11 12 13 it's always like a fun heist like things go right for the the criminals um and then logan lucky very similar which I really want to revisit because Adam Driver, and he's excellent in that movie as well. Um, but uh, so Soderbergh, and it, honestly, his movie from last year, High Flying. No, wait, it's from this year, High Flying Bird, um, is a type of a heist movie. It's not. It's not the traditional heist, um, but it, it definitely has like heist elements to it. And he, his often end with success, and it, with noir films, notoriously they're fatalistic and things don't work out for the protagonist. Things always and badly because that's kind of the vibe noir and that's why for the most part you've not enjoyed them because we've discovered you like a happy ending in your films and noir does not deliver that in mean, almost every instance of a noir film it's part of the genre
0: i haven't hated any of them as much as i hated whatever the little china whatever that one is i chinatown that was yeah chinatown i was thinking something else but that, that one ends yeah
1: really dark um So, it, like, I feel like
0: as bad as it could.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. There's not much else that could go. I mean, I guess there's a few other things that could have gone worse, but, um, but yeah, and there's context to why that one could be even disliked more. I think Chinatown's amazing. Um, but I don't like the ending in the sense that it's not, I'm not happy about it, but I also am like, wow, you know, what a, what a gut punch. And a gut punch is not always a bad thing, um, if that's the intent. Um, but, uh, I think that's probably enough non-spoiler talk. I very much like this movie. Um, I was, I'm was i a big fan of noir if that hasn't been picked up on. Uh, I, I have not seen a lot still. There's still some major noir films that I've not gone to yet. But um, the ones that I have seen, uh, and even Chinatown's technically 20 years post-noir, so it's technically a new noir. Um, but uh i like brick um which you also didn't like which is ryan johnson's kind of homage to uh the the noir genre um and the teen movie at the same time which is one of the reasons i love it so much and also joseph would love it um and i'm also a huge actually you're seeming to not be a ryan johnson fan come to think of it because you also hated last jedi which you're wrong uh you love knives out though you love knives i don't out. yeah i like knives out a lot um I was hearing some people say that that wasn't one to go to the theater
0: for, to just watch it when it comes out for home viewing, but I disagree.
1: 100% but, disagree. That's insane. Yeah,
0: it's so fun on the big screen. um, But I don't think that we really, yeah, I'm forgetting, I didn't feel like we needed an emo sulking fluke for three hours in a movie. So that's all I have to say about that.
1: And he's not in the movie for three hours the movie's only two hours and thirty minutes. but nonetheless um shot like it and I, I think i think there's plenty of reasons for him to have been like that and you were wrong but um uh nonetheless um for this movie uh the killing i i literally knew nothing about it i didn't even know this movie existed to be honest uh apparently i really didn't stopped either. at lolita um and i was (laughs) yeah kind of mad at myself because i'm like how did i not know about a kubrick noir film and i felt better because (laughs) um while big tuna was one of my students um it's hard to for me to act like he has not vast more encyclopedia level knowledge than myself um when it comes to this stuff and he has never seen it and i don't think he knew about it either so that made me feel a little better um because i was like have you seen this and he's like no because I remember um, when I started Burke Reviews, I was definitely much much less uh, versed in film outside of my comfort zones, um, and my comfort zone was very, very narrow. It was like basically from the year I was born to now, anything older than that was stupid, and I was ignorant, but at the time, that's how I felt, um, and he was my student and would constantly like, have you seen, um, what's the one I still haven't watched? Uh, it's not Lucy. It's something, it's a noir film, and it's not going to come to me now, but... I still have not watched it uh, all this time. And he was like, oh, you gotta watch this. And I just kind of looked at him like, no way. And so I've come a long way. But the fact that he doesn't know this movie and was also has always been kind of a fan of these older films, um, it, it does speak like it's this is maybe an underappreciated gem. Uh, that... I'm glad...
0: I feel like we should tell people that we watched this on Prime and it I was, was included. To. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, um, I'm glad you did. Because when we're going through some of our... and stuff and i find movies and they look really good and i know it happens to you too and then like we try to find out where we're gonna watch them and then it's like impossible or it's gonna cost a million dollars
1: yeah so well yeah or like you have to go through means that are not legal but there's literally like there are films out there and blank check has done this my favorite movie podcast right now um where like there are movies that you cannot get legally Uh, like you can't buy them on disc like and or you have to spend like, in an outrageous amount because it's a collector's item. Like, and, there's only ten copies in existence or something.
0: And that movie doesn't go to anyone... That money doesn't go to anyone who made that movie anyway. Oh, no.
1: Yeah, they're getting zero of that cut. Um, but I still... I don't... One, I don't trust going to the sites that you have to use to mm-hmm. watch movies illegally. Because, like, I don't want my computer to get messed up. But also, um, I want to pay for the film if I'm going to watch it. I want to give credit... I want to, the people who made it to get the money because... I want them to make the movies like, you know what I mean? Like the, you have to, yeah. if the movies aren't making money, they will eventually stop doing it the way they're doing it. And I like going to the theater. I know a lot of people have transitioned where they prefer just watching it at home. I think that is a flaw. Um, especially, and I get it cause I've had bad crowds, but when you have the right crowd in a movie, it enhances the experience. Um, it's like l- dramatically, especially with comedies to me, like laughing by yourself is not as fun as laughing with a group. Um, but nevertheless uh, we did watch this on prime it is legally free if you subscribe but you can also rent it on prime for very cheap um but it's it's very short and if you've never watched a kubrick film i do think this is a good first entry um because it's one of his shorter films uh a lot of oh, his other yes. films are much more challenging this one moves very very well it's paced ex- exquisitely i would say um he could have stretched out scenes and he doesn't I, it's very economical I, think that he does a good job too transitioning
0: between the scenes like it doesn't get confusing at any point even though there are lots of part
1: moving parts lots of moving parts um and the characters all have um very distinctive characteristics to help you distinguish who they are um and some of the casting choices are very interesting like the uh one, one there's a guy um he recruits to start a fight and that guy is not an actor he's a professional wrestler in the time and that's all he oh movie he's in um and i'm like he reminded me of george animal steel but he was you know maybe 20 years too early to be george animal steel but i do think george animal steel might have like taken his uh persona and kind of made it his own um especially based on the fight scene in this movie which is oh my gosh they do look a lot alike right um and the 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 same harry Harry max yes yes exactly (laughs) um and george animal steel has acted uh he's in a few episodes married or at least one episode of Married with children and he's in a couple of movies um uh i think he's in ed wood's film if i'm not mistaken plan nine from outer space or whatever it is um or he plays the guy in ed wood the tim burton movie i can't remember he's in yeah i'm pretty sure he plays the guy in ed wood the tim burton story of plan nine from outer space um anyways let's get into spoilers Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about the killing in great detail. You have been warned. Okay, so let's jump. Uh, we, we always jump around. If you're a new listener, uh, welcome, first of all. Welcome, um, yes. 50 minutes in, you've made it. Uh, but <laughs> um, we uh, we like to just jump around with spoilers. We don't do a full recap of the plot. Um, we just talk about whatever it is that we, we want to say. Um, I, I was really... Uh, surprised to the at the level of voiceover that we get because we have like a full narrator it's not a lot of times noir is narrated um that is a a trope it, it very frequently though is narrated by the characters um like usually the protagonist um double indemnity which is i think the best uh example of a noir film is narrated um in Digetically where he's recording like on a voice recorder um i forget the term it's whatever thomas edison initially made that like recorded on the tubes he's talking into uh that and then we are flashing back so it's like we're we are uh present day he's recording himself confessing the story that we're watching as the film and so the narration in that movie really makes sense this is a non-diagetic narration that only the audience seems to be privy to it's not the internal monologue of any of the characters um and it's almost like, it feels like a police breakdown of the incidents. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at 1155, this happens and this, this happens and this will be the last time this guy will be alive. And you're just like, what is, what is going on? Um, but I, man, I love the setup. Uh, so heist movies, traditionally you have a, a moment where you are getting like the team assembled. Um, I like when we get to meet the team and they're having their first meeting and, um, poor George, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He deserves better.
1: Yeah, George's wife uh, was apparently so promised... Honey. Yeah, <laughs> promised a bunch of riches um, when they got married, and he has not delivered. So she is cheating on him with a guy named Val, who only That's has much two scenes. Much younger. And he's only in two scenes in the movie, from what I can recall. The The scene where we mm-hmm. meet him, and then the scene where he shows up to uh, stop the, the... Well, to rob the criminals, essentially. I
0: mean, I feel like Sherry needs to be a little more whatever because who's ever like, I think we should get married so that you can be poor and have none of the things that you ever want in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I felt like she was ridiculous and I know that was
1: the point, but... Yeah, um, she she's yeah. playing the femme fatale role where she is going to... Because uh, th- there are a lot... Technically, our protagonist is... Um, I'm going to forget his name. Uh, Johnny Clay. Johnny, yeah. Johnny's our... our quote unquote hero but george is i would argue is the innocent um he is he's being kind of pulled into this because of his wife um he tries to even like back out for a moment and she basically pressures him that you know this is the only chance you have to keep me um and uh so i feel like he is in the traditional noir sense where you have like the good guy who turns to the 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 criminal ways that's where George fits in, where Johnny's already a criminal, um, and he's the the one who's orchestrating things. However, he's doing the one last score heist trope. You know, I just need one more score, and then we can get away, and everything will be okay. Um, never happens, right, in most of these nope. movies. Um, even if they do successfully get the score, this is who they are, so they have to keep more, doing more, it. More. Yeah, they need more, right? Um, Was it the old man and the gun? Oh, my God. I love that movie. <laughs> ah,
0: I did, too. Um, I just it's I, that just that's what i thought of while you're yes. going on with this and yes, i just loved it
1: david Lowery directed uh excellent excellent director. Uh-huh. um and uh um honestly uncut gems in a way is very similar it's not a heist movie but the character trope uh, is is built mm. into the the character he just he's not able to get out of the situations he keeps putting himself <sighs> into um, even though he keeps saying, this is the last thing I need and I'll be able to stop, he can't. It's In some ways, it's, it's about addiction, I guess you could argue, um, to like maybe adrenaline junkie addiction. You know, like, can't quite mm. shake it. Um, and uh, so that's, you know, the movie has all these cool setup sequences and we see the plan and how, you know, fine-tuned it is. And then the execution, man, when they actually do the robbery because um, they're they're robbing a racetrack which i mentioned logan lucky earlier and that was the as soon as i started watching this i'm like holy crap is logan lucky based on this movie because in logan lucky they're robbing a nascar race
0: mm-hmm.
1: and here they're robbing that. a horse race oh really you should totally watch it it's adam driver and Channing tatum are brothers and they're like country bumpkins and yes. daniel craig Oh God! It's so freaking good in this in that movie as well. Like I, I am a huge Daniel Craig fan. I, I think maybe he's underappreciated because he's James Bond and people just think of him as Bond. But man, the non-Bond movies are so much better. And I, I like liked, the Bond movies,
0: and I liked him in uh, that movie we were just talking about a second ago. out.
1: Yeah. He's masterful in that, and um, an early film for him, Layer Cake, is so good. Uh, but. Nonetheless, uh, he's not in this movie, but I do think Soderbergh takes a lot of inspiration from this and other heist movies. But um, the the story is clearly similar uh, in a lot of ways, um, not in all the ways. Uh, that one's not a noir, as I mentioned. Soderbergh likes to go for uh, the the criminals get away with it kind of plot, um, but uh, here criminals don't, and that's where everything goes wrong. So they've they've successfully robbed, and Val comes in with the shotgun and kills everybody except for george who somehow manages to kill val and and his compatriot um but is hurt like i don't know how he's walking it looked like he got shot in the face yeah he's definitely he's got buckshot it's, it's because it's a shotgun he was far enough away where i guess it wasn't instantly fatal but he takes a lot of uh pellets to like his face and i think his chest as well um although i think some of the other guys maybe took some of the brunt of the shots But, um, so he's, he's severely injured, he's driven, I think, by revenge, and he goes to his wife's house and shoots Sherry, um, after he pleads with her to call a doctor, and she won't, she just, like, shrugs him off. She tells
0: him to go downstairs and hail a taxi or something.
1: Yeah, and he, so he kills her, um, so she gets what she deserves, I think, uh, you could argue, since she was willing to let Val take out him, um, in order for her and Val to run away, um, and also she alluded that Johnny raped her, and that really pissed me off. Um, I, yeah. I, I actually thought George was going to kill Johnny because of that, and is that doesn't happen, so I was a little surprised. Um, I thought that was something more would come of that, and I guess it was a red herring to like make us think because he has a moment when he lets Johnny in, where he like stares Johnny down really hard while he runs up the stairs, and I was like, oh man, is he gonna, is he gonna like stop this from happening? But I love all the little things that come together. Like, I didn't understand why the shotgun was in the flower box and then why the uh, the ah. guy that worked at the racetrack had it and why he was, like, keeping it in his locker until I found out why. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. How he, like, you know, he comes into the locker room, changes, just everything clicks and just works so well. I was really into that whole sequencing. And again, I think that's where Cooper kind of shines that, like, precise um, story and setup. Yeah, I, I think that's where you see him kind of developing the craft.
0: I and I guess that that's why I don't hate this movie is that so many of the people, so many people get what they put in. I guess.
1: Yeah. um, Well, everybody dies. Um, The only person, which I feel like the narrator says that uh, Johnny was gonna be dead, and the end of the film doesn't imply that he's dead, but that he's going back to jail. Yeah, they're pulling their guns,
0: and it yeah seems, you know... It felt a little more menacing than, oh, you're under arrest,
1: but... But at yeah. the same time, it looks like he he's given up at that point, because he even said, yeah. I, think he, I think he says, what's the point to her? Because she's like, run, or you no, know, what's the difference? Or, so, like, he says yeah. something like that, and it's, like, yeah. really, really sad, and, like, he's so broken at that point, but... Yeah, um, it's
0: what's the difference.
1: uh So that ending, right? Like... He, I... he's not supposed to have as much money as he has because he was supposed to split it five ways and he can't because everyone's dead. So he has to keep all the money so he has to buy this gigantic suitcase which then the fact that they won't let him bring it on it's, it feels I... like such a modern day problem. <laughs>
0: Yes! I loved a couple of scenes with that. I loved that he's just out in the middle of some overgrown field trying to, like, shove all this money yes. in the suitcase out of a duffel bag, and it's just like, he's just leaving it on the ground. What choices he have? Well, I mean, you're trying to get away, but I would try to hold well, up that money and put it in my pockets. And
1: that really important, because he can't get it to lock. Yeah. Which is why, and, when it falls, it opens so easily, because the locks weren't working. <laughs> yeah, and then...
0: I, I thought that that was so funny, um, but agreed, totally a modern day, well, did you measure your suitcase, ma'am? Um, yeah. Problem! Um, you know, at that point, I would have just been like, I'm buying an extra seat, and you're letting my suitcase sit in my seat, so um, I, I kind of love that they weren't backing down, though, the supervisor and the guy at the airline.
1: Well, I love uh, that they're like, oh, we can just refund your ticket. You know what? We'll, <laughs> we'll give you this favor. You don't have to fly. And he's like, dude, I have to fly. What are you talking about? Like, I need to leave. Yeah. What?
0: Um and then I I love that scene where that I don't like little dogs. I feel like we need to put that out there anyway. (laughs) And this woman with her little
1: dog Which also felt very modern day, right? Like the woman talking to the dog and Yeah.
0: Oh, we're gonna get you on that pretty plane and I'm just like, You are irrelevant.
1: Oh man. Dang.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get you on the plane, planes. I'm like, what are you even doing? Um your dog is probably twenty seven years old. But it it he just like runs and is naughty and it falls off and the money just goes flying everywhere. And I love how it's like swirling around on the ground mm-hmm. and up in the air, and it's just over and he can't even move.
1: Yeah, and him and, and Faye
0: Fay's trying to get him to leave and it's just I mean, you go through all of that work. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying that I, I'm, I'm not justifying these criminals. But like, it was so much planning and so many like working parts that had to be timed just right. And he, wasn't he 15 minutes late?
1: Was yes, which is why he survived. Even had he been on yeah. time, they would have been robbed and killed potentially by Val. Though maybe. Maybe not, but Val was going to show up and there would have been an incident with Johnny there.
0: And I, mm, what a
1: traitorous wife. Yeah, she's awful. And he, Johnny knows that too. And I'm surprised. I didn't like that. He said he was going to slap her around and he like tells Marvin to like leave or whatever, but then he doesn't slap her around. So I don't know if it was just big talk. Um, cause Johnny has clearly got a romantic side that he's running away with Faye, um, which that was the only thing I didn't. I know there is a scene early in the movie where he we see him with Faye, but I didn't fully grasp like the level of their relationship in that one scene. Like, um you know what I mean? Like, well, it's,
0: I it's, mean, she said she'd waited for him for five years while correct. he was in
1: prison. Yeah, and I, I'm not fully blaming the movie for that. I, at the initial when I started the film, people were not fully able to just back away and let me watch the movie. So like, I had to pause it a few times, and that always like breaks it up for me um but um the ending though like when she's like getting the cab and she's ready to like just stand there and like delay the police and he's just like what's the difference he's so defeated and that is like the most fatalistic type of like what's the nothing i do matters look at look at what happened i had this perfect plan like you said and it, it executes perfectly and how he gets like how he robs them with the mask which the mask is really creepy um and like shoves them into the thing and and how he throws the duffel bag and quickly changes and the cop gets the duffel bag immediately it's so well executed and then it still doesn't work out even- everybody died you know people that he considered his friends especially marv um you know marvin was the uh the the guy who was normally not a part of this type of thing but like they had like they even have that really nice conversation where marvin's like we could you know be best friends after this and like kind of thing and you can tell johnny cares about marvin's well-being and that marvin's dead like johnny's devastated at the end everybody's dead he's lost the money he can't get away with faye there's no chance now there's no starting over he's just done
0: i so this is what i thought was kind of funny in the movie um like right when that shootout starts happening in the apartment Mm -hmm. and George is like walking through. Um, and there's like this happy, like, dancey party song in the background. I mean, I know that whoever was listening to music didn't think there was gonna be a shootout, but it was just still kinda humorous. I don't know if you remember that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I I think all of it and then um I also the the guy who has to shoot the horse. Yeah. Uh, that that scene's really tough because he's 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 being really nice um to a a black man who's also handicapped who's like watching the parking lot and he's being nice because he has to be he's trying to like butter him up so he can get in but then that prompts the guy to overly want to be his friend because no one ever treats him that way and that's such a telling sad moment to me in the movie and then that he has to drop the n-word in order to get him to leave him alone and how that backfires on him and, like, the horseshoe that he was bringing him as a gift ends up flattening his tire, I guess, stopping him from getting away. I don't know if that's... It, it feels a little bit too much like a, you know, contrived idea, like, that the horseshoe stops him from getting away or whatever, but it was one of those things where Johnny had promised him, like, hey, what's the worst... It, like, killing a horse isn't illegal, but he gets shot over it, so apparently super illegal for the the people there, but... Um, you know, a lot of what Johnny had promised doesn't fully come true, you know? And, uh yeah, it, I th- it's just, man, it's just a really well-made movie, I think.
0: I just don't, there's no other way for me to say it, but I feel like the whole, like, thing was very ballsy. I mean, you, even just to shoot the horse, and he was, like, so far from the field, like, from the racetrack and everything, Um I don't know
1: yeah it, it okay. was just such a big big you know grand the plan was insane and like it doesn't quite like when they shoot the horse one it's sad because the horse is killed um uh, yeah i'm assuming Damn. not for real but it does look pretty brutal and then um they keep reiterating the jockey's okay uh but yeah horse. minor injuries um
0: like great what about Sea Biscuit? Yeah. i never oh,
1: watched either. Either. <laughs> I, I refuse i actually traditionally <laughs> yeah, don't like movies about horses uh Leon yeah. pete was one of the exceptions um and the writer holy crap the rider's amazing but that's i think you know the ending is is it hits the noir hard um we, you know we have this our poor criminal protagonist is doomed uh we don't know if he's going to jail or if he's going to be killed um, but I love how it ends. I don't think it cares either way. <laughs> old movies are so interesting to me when it ends, like, at the credits, as opposed to, like, 20 minutes of credits later. <laughs> like, it's like, it's fading to black and the movie's over. I'm like, oh, all right then. Because um, I'm looking at, like, like how, if there's only a minute left, how, how is this possible? There should be 20 minutes of credits or something. Uh, <clears throat> but I like that um, it ends with, like, the POV shot, too, that we're looking at it from Johnny's perspective as the cops approach. And it just fades out. I think it's great. Um, I don't think it's my favorite Kubrick film or anything, but I do think it's really, really good. I, I put it up there as noir that people need to see, uh, especially, yeah. um, I think it's very, really very... Don't like noir. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing about it. Um, you still like this movie, and you're not a huge yeah. noir film um, person where I am, and I think this is a really good kind of entry point because some noir is more hard-boiled and it's a little slower paced, this one is because it's a heist movie too it moves really quickly and so you're able to kind of if you're not one to sit through like a slower film where it's very story and character driven uh this one is bopping around quite a bit like you're cutting back and forth a little more um there's some cool like cross-cutting in the in the heist moments where you're getting all the characters placed up um it, it's it's just a really well-made well-constructed film not surprising uh it, it is kubrick and i don't know that he's done anything bad um there's movies that maybe don't click for me but I I wouldn't say anything but like I like the first part of Full Metal Jacket the second two-thirds I could well sorry the two-thirds after the first third I think I could probably do without again but I think the first third is so masterful that's the Vincent D'Onofrio stuff um I love that part so much more the second part is important and I like it but I just think that first part's so powerful um But, yeah, uh, I I really liked it. I would say, um, for me, the killing is not quite golden. I'm torn. I will go with the decent watch. I'm I'm content with that because it sounded like you were going to be much harder on it when we started. So um, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Well, I guess, sorry, when I first asked what you thought, you did the "Mm," sound. So I wasn't sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Where are we going with this, Corey? But uh, we will be back next week. With our second Stanley Kubrick film in the 2020 excuse me twenty twenty Janley Kubrick theme, uh, which will be a Clockwork Orange. Uh, that one's a little longer, folks. So, is it like four hours? I I don't think it's quite that long, but it is uh, a Clockwork Orange. Um, again, it's obviously directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, from nineteen seventy one, runs two hours and sixteen minutes, so it's not I like super that. long. Um, it's available on Amazon. I don't know if that means to buy it. I, I'm, I think so, looking at this. Um, but it's it's readily available on stuff. Uh, it's one of his biggest films. It is a film, though, I will warn now, um, trigger warning, if you will, that it does uh, have a rape sequence in it. It's one of the reasons why I've avoided watching it. Um, and it's supposed to be one of the tougher rape sequences, because if I'm not mistaken, he's singing, singing in the rain during that sequence. Um uh stars malcolm mcdowell uh patrick mcgee uh michael bates warren clark john clive adrian cory carl during paul farrell clive francis michael gover Miriam carlin we'll stop there uh written um screenplay also by kubrick uh based on a novel by anthony burgess um which Corey has tried to read but has been unsuccessful to date um just don't think i'm smart enough <laughs> it's it's i read the first page and i'm like the cockney accent is too much um it's hard to read through all the, the dialogue, uh, or the dialect, I should say. But that will be our next episode. So in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews And Corey? At Corey R-Star, two R's on the end. Um, We have some new stuff up on the website, BurkeReviews.com. Corey just posted her top ten albums of the year. Uh, not in order, if I'm not mistaken, right? They're just like three. no favorite albums of the year. So, yeah. Um, uh, but there are 10 and some honorable mentions. Uh which my plan is to try to listen to at least a couple of them. I do like Iron and Wine, so I am I've I have, i did not realize they had a new album out. So. Oh, that album is Tip Top. And um I will have uh we we're going to be doing a top fi- uh top 5 of 2019 and maybe we're going to try to do some kind of top 5 or top 10 of the decade um which is really hard and i think i've narrowed mine down um to like i have 20 movies right now that i still kind of reordering which ones i think are the top of the decade and that is my opinion of course not saying uh that it is the definitive list but it my top 10 for the decade um i am either going to do an article or a podcast episode with that um also uh in the near future matt from what i watch tonight and uh sean big tuna um, from I have now forgotten the name of his new website. I apologize, Sean. I will get that corrected. But we will most likely be doing the Oscar draft like we did last year. Uh, we have to do it a little earlier because the Oscars are in February this year. Um, they're not giving us any time to breathe. Uh, the new year is starting and we're jumping right into Oscar season. Um, but that said, that'll be a new po- another episode of the podcast coming up. So if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, uh, whatever service you're listening to, and give us a rating. It helps other people find us. Um, In the meantime Keep watching movies This has been a Berk Reviews podcast BerkReviews.com